kills us every day It's the art that heals us It heals us every way Hey, what's up? It's your girl Nikita Vane with the Art That Heals Us podcast. This week's episode will feature the executive chef Shanita McAfee Bryant. She is a woman on a mission. Her passion for food started with the homemade crust that she made for an apple pie when she was 13 years old. And she's never stopped. She infuses every dish on Magnolia's menu with her extensive knowledge and creative flair. Magnolia's Southern Cuisine Restaurant in Kansas City, Missouri was named one of Kansas City Magazine's 12 Best Restaurants in 2012. The restaurant was also nominated by KC Chamber of Commerce as Best Small Business in Kansas City and has been recognized throughout the city for their delicious food and hospitality from the Kansas City Magazine to KCTV 5 News to Fox 4 News. In addition to being a chef, Shanita is also the founder and executive director of the Prospect KC. Chef Anita and her organization are partnering with Catalyst Kitchens to aid in decreasing the statistics of minority unemployment, unsuccessful business developments, and social inequality. As the Prospect KC adopts aspiring entrepreneurs into their program while educating and employing them, they hope that the skills and business solutions obtained will prepare them for solo entrepreneurship. Please give a warm welcome to Chef Shanita McAfee Bryant. All right, so we have the executive chef, Shanita Bryant, McAfee Bryant, excuse me, Um, and we are going to talk about her passion as a culinary artist. Um, A lot of people do not think of uh, these people as creatives, but that actually is what their gift is. That's where their passion is, and this is how they um, are able to express that creativity, which I think is amazing. So I wanted to make sure that I brought in people um, that were far different from the typical person that you would think of as a creative, like an artist, a singer, a musician, and um, you know those types of things. And so I'm very excited to interview her. Um, I'm so thankful that she decided to spend her evening with me today recording this podcast as my first guest. Yay! Um, and then, you know, Kansas City Stand Up, all of that great stuff, like your magic, your power. And so here we are. So I want to start by having her share her journey as um, a culinary artist, um, an executive chef, and talking about how she came to that place. First of all, thank you for recognizing us <laughs> as culinary artists. Yes. Because we are artists. Um, we also are analytics. We also probably are angry. The anger is something that it just when you have extra things as our career and Y'all be making us do some things. Oh, if y'all don't get out, get out my face and let me do dinner. <laughs> like I'm trying to cook a meal and you taking pictures. You're doing too much. <laughs> There'll be a time for that. And this ain't it. So, yeah, I love it. Um, I have been doing this for 24 years. Mm-hmm. So I started when my oldest son, who is 24, was just born. Okay. Second semester of my senior year in high school. Um, black parents who are both entrepreneurs in their lives. Community College, Chusa, um, called College Now. So I could 
bypass all of the normal college entry things, standardized testing. I'm garbage at a standardized test. Because <laughs> the creative is like, ooh, let's make a design. Mm-hmm, exactly. And the analytic is like, sis, you're not even reading the questions. Never. <laughs> just Mm-mm. coloring in the boxes and looking for the best. Mm-hmm. So that was a beautiful thing for me. However, the way that the culinary program was set up then, it's not set up for now, and I feel like it should go back to this. You had to interview with the dean who, you know, basically lobbied for your position. You know, it was a, it is a step apprenticeship program, so you have to work and you have to go to school. And three of those credit hours of school are also your job. So, wow. We call them Sweeney Weenie at the time, but Pat Sweeney came around to your job to check in on you, making sure that you were doing what you were supposed to do with your law book. Um, and those kind of things. So I have worked at a lot of places in Kansas City, not because I'm a bad employee, but because I was being very targeted with my hours. Like mm-hmm. You had to have like dishwashing hours. You had to have garbage hours. That's like, you know, learning how to draw, make, you know, flowers out of concrete, carve, like, mm. carve watermelons and things like that. Um, garnishing like fruit trays and all that part. You had to get grills, sautés, um, salads, desserts. So I would pick the best restaurant for those specific stations and do my time there. And that's not the typical way of doing things, but I wanted to keep my money. Yeah. <laughs> to make sure that I was getting what I needed to get um, in the most efficient way possible and really getting the best skills and working with the best people. Absolutely. I love that. I love that one of the things that you said was, this is my money. And a lot of people sometimes they like go with the uh, status quo, you know, like, oh, well, this is the way I'm supposed to do it. So I'm going to do it this way. So even in that choice that you made was very creative that you were like, nah, I want to do this here because I know they're good at that. And that's the analytical part, I believe, too. Right. So I love that you said that. Um, One of the things that I wanted to also highlight is that I was stalking your Facebook today because, you know, I just needed to catch up. The algorithm sucks. So I miss a lot of things. Hot garbage. Okay. And so um, I wanted to make sure that I went on there and just kind of seen what you were up to more recently. Um, I saw several things, but the first thing that I saw was that you were on a um, local news station here recently on KCTV5, and I think that's awesome. And I believe that you were highlighting your newest venture, which is Prospect Casey. So I'd like for you to tell us about what that is and talk to us about um, what what brought you to that place and what keeps you motivated to do that just kind of like you know hype it up hype it up okay so i'm glad you're on my facebook page yeah um i will say this you know people say a lot of things about social media but my um key for myself is being as authentically me as i possibly can be Mm -hmm. and so while i may not show every single aspect of every single thing that i'm doing but i can guarantee you guys when you follow me that is my real life yeah. The things that you see me doing on there are things that I actually do. I'm not, um, and that's been the hardest part about being in this content creator space because they want you to create, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, my life is content. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to like, you know, artificially create something just so that I can post a picture of it. If that's I'm good. not doing it, like I ain't posting it. So there's that. Um, so from, I think I just touched on, my dad is an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And so entrepreneurship is in my DNA. Um, and maybe this will resonate with you. I also was a mother, right? Mm-hmm. And so the food business is the opposite of the, the household, right? 
the culinary world is a man's business. Um, and they don't give a darn about your children, mm-hmm. about your period, about <laughs> none of that, because it's a man's business. And so I've always been in this space where I have to balance my responsibility as a parent and my passion for this career that I have. Um, men don't have to make that choice. They don't. And so I ended up knowing that entrepreneurship was going to be the way that I needed to go mm-hmm. because it's important for me to pick them up from school. It's mm-hmm. important for me to drop them off. Even if I'm late, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's important for me to make the band concert. Those are moments as a parent that you don't get back. Absolutely. And so, you know, as women, we talk about balance. I'm like Michelle Obama, balance and leaning in. That's all trash. The, the buzzwords that, you know, wealthy white women come up with <laughs> to make us all feel like we're doing included. Included. Yeah. And it's not. Balance is trash. Leaning in is trash. Right. There's no such thing. Yeah. At any given moment, I'm dropping some eggs. That's just the way it is. That's right. If I am excelling in my career, I'm not excelling as a parent. That's right. If I'm excelling as a parent, I'm probably dropping balls and forgetting things in my career. So I just do the best in each area that I can, and I give myself grace. Mm -hmm. As an employer, I work with all the programs, you know, because I remember what it was like watching my dad build his business from nothing, from poor. You know, we, we, we used to live in houses. You know, where he was like fixing them up, and I'd be like crying, like, Daddy, please don't make me stay here. Mm. But watching him build that business and through um, real estate, I know what it's like to work. And I also know what it's like, and I also remember what it's like not to have. Yeah. And I also know that, you know, being a teenage mother is a statistic. And having the support system that I have is not everybody's. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so as an employer I always wanted to make sure that I was participating and giving back so I did all I participated in all the programs in um, school employment council job Corps, Salvation Army Goodwill anybody who needed had employees that needed had a struggle need a little bit more work we worked with them the problem is is that when you're in a for-profit business you don't really have the time to give people what they need in terms of development, right? Mm -hmm. And so the difference between me as a teenage mother and someone um, else as a teenage mother is is that I had different resources than they had. It's not that, and that's really all it is. It's about resources. And so I didn't have the opportunity to give them those resources. So about six, shoot, seven years ago, I went out to Seattle to cook for the United Negro College Fund Pacific Northwest fundraiser. Okay. And the kitchen that we were cooking in was called Fair Start. My friend, he's a chef. Um, actually, he's coming to town next month. Chef Wayne Johnson. He um, was executive chef there, and he was like, oh, no, we're going to do all the cooking for the fundraiser here at Fair Start. And I'm like, Fair Start, what's that? So I get there, and he, they're like, oh, it's a culinary workforce development program for the homeless population in Seattle. And I'm wow. like, what? Wow. So you guys are taking people from the shelter and training them, and then they're going out and getting working a living wage. He's like, wow, yeah. that's yeah. awesome. It's a whole person model. And I'm like, whole person? What does that mean? Well, this is six years ago. I don't even know what that is. They're like, yeah, we just do some wraparound services, and you know, we kind of give them ongoing support. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then I go back two or three more years cooking there, and you know, 
this is how God does, right? There's mm-hmm. that seed, this planted, mm-hmm. it's there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, that could be that if we had something like that here. Mm-hmm. Fast forward, 2018, my dad passes away unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was like a crucial part of my work. And I wasn't, you know, especially like with the food truck, right? He drove the truck, he maintained the truck, he made sure my money got where it needed to be. Yeah, he, yeah. you know, cleaned the truck. That's three people's work, yeah, right? <laughs> so absolutely. now that he's gone, I'm going to have to hire three people to replace him and then have the anxiety to be like, did they deposit all the money today? You know, are they are they going to be robbed? All that. But you don't have to think about when you have like an older male uh-huh. on the truck who, you know. Somebody you trust. And my dad grew up in the city. He's comfortable with the city. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I did not grow up in the city. Mm-hmm. I grew up in the suburbs mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we lived on 150th and Whitefield. I'm not comfortable in certain parts of the city. Right. So that's not my norm. Right. That was his norm. He felt comfortable there. And he knew, you know, how to be safe. So truck was sold. Um, and then I really just took, so he passed away in October of 2018. And I took time off mm-hmm. for the first time in 24 years I did not work. My goodness. I didn't work for six months. I gained 30 pounds. Wait, no, I gained 15 pounds and another 15 during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I gained 15 pounds and I didn't work. And I was like, okay, God, what is it that I'm going to do? And I took a lot of time, um, got back into the artist way that if you guys are creatives and you're blocked, you don't know what to do. It's a 12-week system with Julia Cameron. She gets a book, Mm. goes through it. It's hard really causes you to examine yourself. Mm. Anybody who's done it, we all know about week six or seven, we quit. Because <laughs> we're like, Mm-mm, I don't really want to dig Ooh. in this thing. But it will unblock you. Okay. Because you, you spend a whole lot of time working with inner critic. You spend a whole lot of time of dealing with those things that you tell yourself. Like, you know, late in the midnight hour, those little conversations that you're having with yourself. Mm-hmm. And then she gives you tools for like clearing out all that creative muck that's in your brain that can stop you from um, doing what you need to do. Because sometimes us creatives, we get to this point where we're like, if the Lord doesn't come down on the seventh day and the sun is not <laughs> shining in the east window and I don't see glitter, I'm not going to be able to do nothing. Period. <laughs> so it got to be like this, like that, like yeah. that. If the stars don't align in a certain way, right, it's not happening. Like, you know, it's, we come up with all kinds of reasons why not to do something. And that's really self-defeating is what it is. Fact. Your inner critic is telling you that you can't do it. So she works you through it. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, man, what if I bring a fair start to Kansas City? Wow. Because I'm never going to, I, you know, through this 24 years, I have stopped cooking several times. And I'm like, <laughs> I know. You can cuss, girl. You can okay. cuss. Like, we, we cuss shit, fucking yeah, people. Yeah. I'm not doing this. Yes. If one more grandma cusses me out about some damn cornbread, I'm <laughs> So there was this mm-hmm. time where I'm like, no, I'm mm-hmm. not doing it because mm-hmm. I can't lean into that analytic side of my brain. Mm-hmm. And I'll go to, you know, I take financial services, so I really understand like stocks and all that insurance and that. But that's not my, I'm not passionate about That's something I just know how to do. It's not yeah. something that I'm passionate about. Yeah. So I didn't want to stop cooking because I knew that I was not, I'm not the best version of myself when I'm not in a kitchen. Mm-hmm. There is, um, especially when I have my own kitchen, the best thing for me is to get up, you know, early in the morning, go there by myself, 
be alone and just work out whatever it is that I'm thinking or feeling and get myself together before everybody else comes. So mm-hmm. there's some solace that comes in the kitchen for me. Mm. So I knew I wasn't. I was like, nah, you're not going to not be able to cook, especially with this grief. You will probably mm. grow up and be 400 pounds if you're, you're eating and cooking for yourself. That's not going to work. Yeah, yeah. So in 2019, uh, mid-2019, I reached out to Beth Wayne and was like, hey, um, what can you do to bring a fair start? You know, do you, how do you do that in another city? He was like, oh, we have a nonprofit called Catalyst Kitchen that helps um, start these. We started like at the time it was like maybe 54, 55, and there was like 100 or so in the network. And I'm like, what? Man, wow. There's like 100 of these? Yeah. So wow. then I just took a deep dive into workforce development, into culinary training, and just kind of figuring out all that. Mm-hmm. And then my crazy self launches a, <laughs> unbeknownst to me, a nonprofit in the middle, right before a global pandemic. So, listen, there's purpose in everything, sis. Let me just say this first of all. Do y'all hear what she's saying? Okay. There is purpose in every single thing that happens. Is that's my belief. I'm not saying that everything bad that happens is supposed to be like, um, like I don't glorify trauma, you know, or traumatic events per se, but everything has purpose. And what mm-hmm. I have learned myself as a creative is that the things that I want to push away the most, the, those times where I'm like, what is this for? where I'm questioning it, those are the, the reasons that I have purpose and I'm able to use those things to have a trajectory to be able to reach who I need to, you know? Like, if they if those things would not have happened, then where would I really be? Um, it, it wouldn't mean as much. So I liked what you said about processing your grief in the kitchen because this is what this podcast is about. Creatives that are able to thrive from things that would be, you know, considered adversity or things that wouldn't be favorable. So I want you, if you are able, to talk more, a little more about how you were able to process your grief. And one thing that you said, too, that really resonated that I liked was that you knew that you could not not cook. Like, you just knew that you had to do that so that you could express yourself. And so can you just talk a little bit more about that? Okay, so on the knew I could not cook part, and, you know, this is probably the first time that I've ever said these words publicly mm-hmm. because I don't like, you know, we both talked about it. We've both been married twice. Mm-hmm. Both of us divorced. And I have children with those people, and mm-hmm. I don't want to discourage them. Yeah. But I, this is my truth, so I have to say this. For, I have sacrificed my career for a relationship for four years. Mm-hmm. And I was exceptionally unhappy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so... While trauma is not glorified, there's lessons there. Absolutely. And you have to do the work, which people don't like to do, and really assess with yourself. Now, because I've had already, already experienced that, when I, you get into future relationships, I know that my career is a non-negotiable for me. All the snaps and the clap. So I'm not going to diminish myself anymore in any way when it comes to my career for anybody mm-hmm. including the children because mm-hmm. I'm not going to be a good mother to them if I'm not happy in my career and in my life so yes. that's the, amongst a multitude of other reasons that's why I can't I don't completely blame my last husband mm-hmm. for the ending of our relationship right. there were things in me in my career in my work that were just they're like hard lines in the sand mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. I'm not moving. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, that that can end 
relationships, friendships, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm willing to make that sacrifice because I'm, I don't know how you are, old you are. I think you graduated high school with my little cousin. So you <laughs> I'm you, 40. I just turned 40. Oh, no. So you're, yeah, I'm 41. Okay. So after all of these years, I know that I can't sacrifice myself for anybody because I'm not going to be me. Mm-hmm. And so um, looking back, things have been difficult. However, there is always a lesson in that difficulty. Mm-hmm. And honestly, there was a tool. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it at the time because I used to be like, God, I just want to be that girl mm-hmm. who like, what's up? <laughs> good morning. Everything is all Everything good. Everything is for so real. wonderful. Mm-hmm. And the things that, you know, she's skipping around on rose petals because stuff is just falling into place. I'm like, why do I always have to take the path of the most resistance? Listen. Can I please have the easy road? For I real. would like the yellow brick road, Lord. Why do I always wind up on the muddy, like, Amazon <laughs> terrain? Can I please just have the yellow brick road? And then he's like, no, you cannot have the yellow brick road. You are not yellow brick road good. Yeah. Low key, he's like, you would be bored. And you know that you would be bored. It's true. If you had a yellow brick road kind of life, you would not be happy. Because we're Leos. Yeah. We need all the fire. We need all the fire. We need all of it. But in this work, working with people who are under-resourced, you know, basically left behind, mm. there's because I've been through so much junk, I have a level of compassion, and I'm also an empath. Mm-hmm. A level of deep, deep, deep level of empathy that mm-hmm. a lot of people don't have. Yes. Now I have a like stone cold resting bitch face, so you may not get that from the very depending on who you are and what you're doing. You probably may you not don't get, get that from girl. the very beginning. Yeah. That's also that introvert. Yes, it is. Who's just like I don't know you like that. Yep. Keep your distance until I figure you out. I need to, and it might take a long time. But that's also because learning about myself, I know that I am. This is another reason why I'm a difficult person to deal with, and I accept this about myself. Mm-hmm. I am black or white. I am yes or no. <laughs> Anything in between is no. <laughs> that's how I interpret it, and that yes. is hard to deal with. Yes. So, but that also means I'm zero or 100, so I'm either fucking with you mm, or I ain't. Right. That's right. And when I'm not, it's like... Yep. You're not gonna be able to get me to turn. It's like trying to turn the Titanic. It's just never gonna like not. Mm-hmm. Once I get to, I'm not hugging you. That's it. I'm not. <laughs> and then, and for me, it's no hard feelings. Mm-hmm. It's just I've accepted that about myself because I think a lot of times, especially as women and entrepreneurs, right? We get in these positions where we have to acquiesce, and we have to like we're forced to force the square peg into a round hole, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Just so that we can get along so we get along. Mm-hmm. And we're like, you know, we want to be accepted. I want to be successful. This is what everybody else does. And that's, really, that's not, in the end, that usually fails. Yeah. Because you're not being true to yourself. Yes. And it's a one-sided thing, and you can only allow something or somebody to take from you for so long before you're like, mm, I don't want to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And then by that time, it's just a real nasty, horrible situation. So I try not to let things get to that point. So if I'm not doing something, it's not even about the other person. And I people don't believe me when I say that, but I'm telling you that's really, it's not even about them. It's completely about me. Absolutely. Like, I'm not doing this not because of you or anything that I'm not doing this for me. And so mm. if you want to, um, so that's how it was dealing with my grief, right? Mm-hmm. This was for me. And I allowed myself the time. And I also did not allow anybody to say, don't do this. No, I, I don't think anything. 
Because grief is like being in the wave pool or oceans of fun, right? One day you're in the shallow end, and then the next thing you know, like, you're all oh, the way shit. deep. Yeah, you in the ocean. Over my head, it's and over. I'm out here with like a with a freaking rubber duck, nobody yep. trying to make it. Yep. So you don't get to tell me how I get to manage this grief. I get to tell me how I get to manage this grief. Exactly. And I'm going to be gentle with myself, and I'm also going to cut off anybody who's not going to allow me the time to process through this because. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad was my best friend, and so mm-hmm. you don't get to tell me in my ankles. You don't get to tell me that I how long I should get over or not get over that. And we have to allow ourselves, whether it's grief, um, whether it's the end of a relationship, whether it's the change of a job, whatever that is. As women, as mothers, we don't we're not supposed to process that, right? We're just supposed to move on Keep to it, the next yeah. thing, and then that's when we wind up, you know, having a nervous breakdown. Because we done suppressed so much stuff and it just bubbles up out of a, like a volcano. Mm-hmm. Then how are you taking care of your children mm-hmm. or your business mm-hmm. or your friendships or your parents when mm-hmm. you're living that kind of life? Mm-hmm. So I don't, I just don't get it. It's almost as though, I like that you moved into that part of the conversation, which that was just divine because I really wasn't even planning to go there. But I love that you said that because we as women are... We are just um, supposed to just keep it moving because we have to. And sometimes we don't even have the time to stop and really take an account to our emotions to say, how am I really feeling? Like, how did that ending of a relationship really make me feel? How am I now as a mother because that happened now because I have extra responsibilities? How am I supposed to just get up and then go and then go run my business and or um, do all of the things when I don't even have the time to really process my grief. So talk to me a little bit about how, what type of things did you do for self-care in between the sessions that you were using to express your grief with cooking? What other things did you do as an entrepreneur, as a mom, as just a woman, period, to where you could really take yourself in and say, I, I, I got I to gotta chill. Like because, so other than just you taking off time from cooking or working, what other type of things do you do um, that helps you with that. <laughs> so with this particular thing, I got a divorce. <laughs> right. But I mean, that was inevitable. Yeah. But also, I don't know, you know, for those women, the loss of your father changes everything, right? Water tastes different. Air smells different. Mm. Things, everything is different. And so you, you know, when you don't have that person there anymore, you really start to reassess every single aspect of your life. And that's what I did. Mm. I stopped working. I slowed down, and I reassessed everything. It's, I mean, this sounds funny, but it almost is like a Marie Kondo of my whole life. Is this bringing me joy? Nope. Okay, it's got. It's to gone. Go. Is this bringing me joy? Nope. nope. Okay, it's got to go. Mm-hmm. Is this bringing me joy? No. Nope. Okay, it's got to go. Go because my dad died unexpectedly at mm. fifty-eight. Life is too short now. When I'm like, you know, people say that, but when that happens to you, you realize it. Like, right? Life is way too short for me to be walking around, you know, unhappy, not doing the things that I want to do, putting off my dreams later because I'm trying to support somebody else. Mm-hmm. Like, nah, I'm mm-hmm. not, I can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and for the first time in 20, really my whole life, I slowed down. I didn't, you know, I went, I had a friend who had a restaurant. I consulted with her for a little while. I worked over there because it was really mindless, not that the, not to diminish the business, but yes. for me, it was really mindless because mm-hmm. it wasn't my responsibility. Yes. It was super mindless. I could still be creative. 
but that also had a time limit, mm-hmm. right? And people, you know, people want to make it be like, oh, you didn't know what happened. Nothing. It had a time limit. Mm-hmm. Like my, I already said earlier, I'm not a good employee, so it was never meant for me to go <laughs> be working for somebody. Else. I know I ain't, girl. I'm terrible. Mm-hmm. I can't, the whole mm-hmm. clock management company mm-hmm. used to ask me to do things and they would be off. I'm like, I just have something Telling to do. me what to do and I don't want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, um, it, the time expired. It was time for me to really work on what it was I wanted to do. And I had talked to God and was like, okay, God, I'm going to do this, but you've taken my anchor. Right? So if I'm going to do this, this is a complete faith walk. That means I'm taking the step and you've got to provide the papers because yes. I don't have my dad to fall back on. Yes. I don't have him to call in the middle of the night. We're not going to be having our, you know, I could call him at five in the morning. He'd be like, Charles, what? <laughs> yeah. But, so it was a complete, like, and every single thing that I've done with the process has been easy. Even when it was like, oh, you know, there's a pandemic. Easy. We mm-hmm. still were able to transition. We worked on food access and nutritional literacy. It wasn't like, oh, you know, it wasn't those kind of situations. And I, that's because it was a faith, faith kind of thing. And every single thing that happens, oh, you don't get that grant? Oh, well, but you get this other one. Or mm-hmm. they say no, but that it's not really no. It's later. Apply for this. I don't um, get bent out of shape because I have to be trust that what God said was what he said. Mm-hmm. He said that I'm going to provide the papers. You mm-hmm. just got to step. Mm-hmm. But in that stepping, what we can't do is let people distract you with explanations. And so that's why people think I'm mean because I don't explain myself. Like I ain't got to explain nothing to you. The only people I'm responsible to have my last name. Period. <laughs> they came from, from my, my womb. The For rest real. of y'all, I literally owe y'all nothing. That's fact. I'm not explaining. Because when we because when you start explaining your vision and your um, passion to, <laughs> this is me, but this is how I feel, unrelated people. Yeah. Um, that gives them a space to wear up your inner critic. I don't need anything. I don't need not an ounce of seed of that. Not even a minuscule amount of that. I have enough of that on my own. Uh, yeah. I work very hard mm-hmm. every single day to keep that at bay. So right. I'm not going to explain it to you because I don't want your opinion. I don't want you to come in. And you know. And I'm not saying you don't explain it to everybody. But when you're really working and operating in your passion through faith, you know exactly who you need to talk to about what you need to talk to Fact. about. And you know what you need to be doing. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know, People are like, oh, you want to do it? I'm like, no. Well, then you reached out. And I was like, mm, I'll do that. Hmm. But a lot right. of times I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> nope. You have to be discerning, too, because if once you've built up, whether we realize it or not, people are watching. There's a platform that we are on. Social media is a platform. You are your brand. And mm-hmm. you have to be mindful of the things you say yes to because you can be putting yourself in a space that that ain't where you're supposed to be. And I'm a believer that now we're wrapping up. I think we're going to do a part two. This is good. Okay. I mean, we like right in the smack that middle of this. Sure. So um, I just want to say thank you so much. This was a very cathartic and healing conversation for me. Being the first guest, I appreciate it. Oh, it's great. Um, so we are going to do a part two <laughs> um, so that we can finish this up because this is really good information, you guys. And I'm going to put all of our social media information, um, all of the things about Prospect KC, all the wonderful things she's doing with her business um, in the show notes. So please, please follow it. And you guys have a great evening.